0: I never had that kind of sense of wanting to take control that so many entrepreneurs have. So in that way, I'm kind of lucky. But for those people who even feel that way, and even people ask me like, what if I have nobody to delegate to? It is better that you have less on your plate and some of those things are just not being done at all than it is for you to have too much on your plate and everything suffer.
1: Welcome back to the Balance Boldly Podcast for ambitious women in business and a few brave men. We are here as usual being excited to also serve our few brave men that are following and listening and joining with us today. I am so grateful that you are here with me. I'm Nikita Sigpen, your host and balance and relationship advisor, partnering with you to change the narrative so we can amplify intimacy within your relationships and you can have the freedom, flexibility, and confidence to thrive in work life and in love. (sighs) The breath, just breathing out. We are here, we're in the middle of the summer, we're in the middle of season 20. It is all about continuing in those big, bold decisions so we can have bigger rewards. How does that feel? How are you feeling right now, knowing that you are on the precipice of something greater than you could have ever imagined? Well, if you're not really sure how you feel about it, let me help introduce you to someone who can help you out <laughs> with all of those things. She is an amazing spirited person. We've only known each other for seconds and I'm already enjoying her energy. Let me introduce you to Sarah Olivieri. She's a nonprofit business strategist and the number one international best-selling author and former executive director. She's a creator of the Impact Method, which I already love the term just by itself, right? The Impact Method, a framework that helps nonprofits simplify their operations, build aligned teams, and make bigger impact without getting overwhelmed or burning out. She's already like perfectly in alignment with all that we bring on Balance bowly, right? Sarah was also the co-founder of the Open Center for Autism, the executive director of the Helping of War Foundation, and co-author of Lesson Plan a la Carte, Integrated Planning for Students with Special Needs. As the founder and heart behind Pivot Ground, Sarah helps nonprofits make a big impact with relative ease. Sarah, welcome to the Balance Boley podcast. How are you today?
0: I am great, and I took those deep breaths with you, so I'm <laughs> extra relaxed.
1: Which is super awesome. I really do appreciate you carving out time to just come and play with us and speak today. This is extremely, extremely helpful. I'm really grateful that you're here.
0: It's my pleasure.
1: Well, something that I noticed that was on your, your bio was the fact that you are very heavily into the communal needs of those who are dealing with special needs. And I wasn't sure if that was just a personal passion that you had or if it was connected to something deeper for you. I would love for you to share with everyone how you kind of started your journey that led you to Pivot Ground.
0: Sure. Sure. Well, I've always loved people. In fact, when I got to college, I originally thought that I would be a math major, which I know you're like, what does that have to do with people? Um, as it happens, I went to a school where they take math very, very seriously. And, um, and I realized I didn't want my whole life to be about numbers. And I really had to choose if I was going to continue with math or focus on people. Um, so i focused on people and i ended up studying international studies Mm. and especially the effects of globalization on marginalized people i did a lot of studying abroad um, at that time and i i loved um i loved learning about the effects of globalization and really learning that people in so-called developing countries or third world countries Their present is their present. They've lived through just as much and oftentimes more history than we have. And oftentimes, if they're disadvantaged, it's things that Um, it's a situation they were born into, not because they're any different as a people or that their cultures are somehow less than. And, but when I came back from living abroad, I, somebody offered me a job actually to organize a conference for um, a new school program for kids with Asperger's. Mm. And I really enjoy, I'm good at organizing things. So I took the job, but I saw that there was so much parallel between um, people who are disenfranchised because of where they were born, and people who were disenfranchised because of, you know, how their brains are, mm. and um, that really—I fell in love with the community um, of people who were self-advocates in the autism field, adults on the spectrum who were speaking up for a better way and to recognize that while some of the differences are true disabilities, and it's really important to help when there's someone who has a disability and give them an opportunity. Um, but not all differences are disabilities and it's not okay to just plug someone squarely and in, in a hole, um, they're whole people. And that really resonated with me. So that's how I got started in the nonprofit world.
1: Yeah. Pulled by something bigger than you that makes complete sense on every level. Cause that, that is literally kind of leading you towards the next not only playground that you would be, but closer to your purpose walk and where you can make the biggest and deeper impact.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I I love that. So I'm really curious, because I know from, you know, just a little bit of how do I say this nicely? Professional stalking um, that I was doing of you, right? Let's highlight professional people, professional stalking <laughs> um, that I was doing, that you're clearly also um, an author more than one time over, and, you know, which is also stated in your bio. And a, a lot that you're writing about is always kind of, you know, regardless of the the higher level title, it's always about creating a deeper impact. Is there a reason that, you just felt pulled to, you know, being that person, that helper, that isn't just kind of serving, you know, happiness and smiles and, you know, cheers and goodwill, but wanting to help people with transformation in one way or another, whether that's through their business, right, like how you do it in business, um, and or in a personal way so that they can make sure that they show up fully, um, especially in the nonprofit arena. I was really curious about that because that's not a word that you see a lot of Um, you know, business strategists and coaches use in their writing. They typically use it a lot more when they're like, you know, here's a, you know, a SWOT analysis for how you can make the, you know, the best business impact for, you know, XYZ division that you're creating or something. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, two sides Uh, on the one hand, as much as I love talking to people, um, I am an introvert. I thrive inside my own head. I rarely feel lonely. Um, You know, I'm okay with what's happening during the COVID pandemic. Although my mother, who is even more of an introvert, said, I'll be okay. But if this goes past Thanksgiving, I'll start to get upset. Okay, <laughs> so, right um so that's probably where I get it from, um, mm-hmm. but you know, so I already mentioned like I had this early interest in math, and I love thinking about larger systems and systemic solutions, and I also you know for me, helping people is less motivated by that one on one interaction with you know physically helping somebody, although certainly that's quite enjoyable um, it's really. The, the more people I can help at scale, the more I feel rewarded by my work. And so even when I was working in nonprofits, I was always thinking, you know, I quickly grew, you know, into higher and higher management, administrative type positions Yeah, I was how can we make this whole thing operate better? I love empowering other people to help. So how can I really empower everybody who's working with me to make a bigger difference? Because that's how I can scale my impact. And then, you know, I became a for-profit business owner for a while. So I learned lots of systems and things with that. And I really took um, well to understanding how to you know, change processes and really leverage things. And I started using words like leverage and scale Mm -hmm. to describe what had kind of been in my heart, right? Which means you don't have to put in more effort to make a bigger impact. Um, So I thought about that, you know, in the classroom when I was working with um, kids on the spectrum and other kids and always thinking, right, the things we do for kids on the spectrum are actually really fantastic for all kids better education for everybody so why should we reserve it just for this one group let's give it to everybody and then we don't have to you know ostracize somebody who really needs it from everybody else who's gonna benefit Um, when you know and then coming back to uh, the nonprofit world I started out I had shifted to marketing and I had built a marketing agency and I started Um, really focusing on nonprofits and quickly discovered, though, that they needed these internal structures in Uh. place. They couldn't even take advantage of good marketing, and it wasn't really worth them spending their money on it. And so that's when I really started thinking about, well, how can I help a nonprofit make a significantly bigger impact and without, without draining themselves? Actually, my my mother, I had gone to this very unique, small, independent school that had just gotten started when I started going to it in elementary school, Um, and my mother ended up running the school after I left, and I saw she put in so much time and energy, I remember she would work in, in the summer. she was often the only one there in a teeny little hot office. and mm. after a few years she finally got herself a little air conditioner, but she didn't originally because it was too much money. And I'm sure that influenced me, but I've seen so many nonprofit leaders not paying themselves and just working themselves to the bone. And I'm not okay with that personally. It shouldn't be like that right it's, like it should be a win-win to give into the world. And that's how I feel like personally about it. But on top of that, it turns out it's actually more efficient and effective when it comes to making an impact to also be in a state where you're not overwhelmed. When you have enough time off, when you have enough brain downtime, enough rest, you actually do a better job. So it's a Mm win-win.
1: No, a thousand percent. I'm always talking about, you know, permission to slow down. So that you can speed up in the right lane. You know, it does you no good to just be busy, 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 going, 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 and kind of all over the place. Because all you're going to do is spin yourself into burnout. And then when you take that health maintenance day, that turns into two weeks because now you're down with the flu because your body is saying, "Hey, I need some rest." Now no one is productive. Now you're not able to do anything. Um, you know, with your family or in your business, um, whether you're a you know an emerging leader, a high level leader, or an entrepreneur, right? Like everything gets shut down. So it's no good for anyone if you're just kind of spinning out of control. And the best way to get on track is to to have some of those systems and to, you know, reward yourself along the way. So I really hear what you're saying because, you know, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs as well and they're always dealing with the fact that they're struggling with, you know, I'm so focused on building the business and, you know, making sure my clients are served that they're not necessarily taking care of themselves in the same way. And the reality is as an entrepreneur, if you take a day off, there is no vacation pay. So, you know, if you end up right, like if you end up with that two weeks of the flu, you've, you've might've lost three months worth of income or business that wasn't generated because of, you know, those days that you were completely mentally exhausted, let alone, you know, away from the production table, so to speak. So I a thousand percent agree with you on every level. And I'm curious, Sarah, you know, for you, because you've definitely like the name of your company, Pivot Ground, is completely perfect for so many reasons. And especially with everything that the world is experiencing right now, like we are in a huge energetic shift that is forcing us to look at everything we do a little bit different. And for many people, um, place, people, places and things, right, it's going to uh, require us to pivot in our thinking, as well as the way that we do things, and you were bold enough to create those pivots in your own life a few times, right like I heard you say, you know oh, like yeah. hey, I, you know <laughs> I had this type of business, and I had this, and you know obviously the the new market kind of called to you based on the new problems that were being created as you were seeing, you know, what was showing up for your clients, like the nonprofits that, you know, okay, I was coming with marketing, but they're clearly having some structural issues. Like, you know, let me listen to the needs, but beyond the the smart kind of logistical strategy that goes with that, you had to deal with, you know, what does this look like for Sarah Olivieri to completely go from one type of business to another? Like how, what, how were those big decisions for you?
0: Yeah. Wow. So I'd say, um, you know, in many ways, it's a story of becoming more and more intentional. Yeah. Um, and the more I'm intentional about a pivot, um, you know, the easier it is. And I, I should say I like change. So that part is easy. I'm always willing to pivot. Um, <laughs> and sometimes I've probably pivoted too soon. Maybe, um, although I, I probably don't regret much of anything um, because I think it's hard to regret when you took the chance. Um, and I tend to take the chance. But for me, you know, it started, uh, I have a son, he's seven. And um, after he was born, I said, I live in a beautiful area of New York State, um, north of New York City, but it's not, the economy here is not very strong. And so I said, I need to build a business. Where I can leverage um, the larger US economy. Um, so that was kind of my first really intentional pivot. And I also said for myself, um, I need to build a business that's for me. And previously I had, you know, I had started a nonprofit, I had also been the found the first executive director, although it wasn't my founding idea of a foundation. Um, so I had started businesses for other people really. And I had started a business for my husband when we got married and I still wasn't calling myself an entrepreneur. And then I'd started a second business for him. Um, (laughs) so I'd gotten a lot of experience. Meanwhile, I was making all the money on my own business and I still, it's such a, such a woman thing to do. Mm -hmm. I didn't think of myself as an entrepreneur and I didn't think about making choices that had me at the center. Um, But there's something about becoming a mom that makes you start to go, hey, if I'm not there for my child, who's going to be there? That's right. And for me, it helped me become the center of my pivots. And um, so first it was to make a business um, that really had a chance of making money Um, because you need money to raise kids. (laughs) Money matters. (laughs) That's right. And then- um, you know within a couple years uh my marriage really I was miserable and I had to make a very intentional decision to leave and I had just started building the agency business and it was clear that um you know, my marriage was not only helping that it was hurting it and I needed to get out. And so I made the decision to leave my marriage and that was a, that was a big pivot like Mm -hmm. for anybody, but it was very much tied with really starting my business. Right. So I'd kind of tried to do it before, but it had started to grow. Um, but it was such a fledgling little thing, like any new business. And you're always, you know, coaxing that flame. And I, um, so wrapped up in getting divorced was, I was starting this business really now with a with a name that I had chosen. That's when I chose Pivot Ground. Um, I would I had to end up taking over the business that my husband had started, um, cause it was losing money. And, um, so I had to, I had to wrap up that business. I was 18,000 in the hole mm-hmm. <laughs> starting my business. I moved five times as I tried to figure out where I was going to be living. And I had a, a three-year-old son. Um, so there was a lot going on in that pivot and I had to be really, really intentional and really focused with my time. Um, so that was, you know, sometimes you're forced to do that and you do amazing things. I don't, To this day I don't know how I did it other than I know I focused. I was very intentional and I had something really lucky happen to me. I had been taking a business course and I highly recommend everybody like you always get training of someone who's one level above me mm-hmm. and um and they were talking about you know why it's important to build a team because if it's just you right you stop and the business stops that's and you right can't really fully leverage your time that way and so they're talking about you know Thinking about your hours and how you monetize that and how you can hire someone else and essentially make a profit off of their hours as well Um, and at that very same moment in the same week I had we'd been working with a divorce mediator and she'd sent us home sent me home with like a schedule I was supposed to write out the schedule that I wanted with my son Mm -hmm. and i realized when i combined the two that if i wanted to have the time with my son that i wanted to have i only had 28 and a half hours a week to work Mm. and that freed me from the trap that so many entrepreneurs face which is well i'll just work more to solve this problem right i didn't have that luxury because i chose it right that's a pivot in itself but i said now i build the business where I only work 28 to 30 hours a week. And that um, pushed me to make very, very careful decisions.
1: That's right. And I, I love that, first of all, let me highlight your superpower is intention, right? Like you were like, I when I get intentional, the world flows the way that it needs to be. Like, I heard you say that over and over. I know that those aren't the words that you use quite to wrap that around it. But that's what I heard you saying. Like, uh, my superpower is I'm an intentional person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, but as like, I, because I'm very visual. So I'm visualizing you being, you know, with the mediator and looking down at The homework assignment, okay, you know, like, let let me know what what it is that you're asking for so we can make sure that you you guys can be, you know, on one accord when you leave this table. And so you go home and you face the reality of I want a enriched life with my child and I want to make sure that I can prioritize his well-being And in order to do that, I have to make sure that I'm okay. And I'm not stressed out and burnt out and stretched from, you know, this end of the world to the other, because when I do have time with him, I won't be the mother that I I really want my son to have, right? Like, so I heard you literally say all those things. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) Like completely. And you painted the picture so well. And I think to your point for a lot of not only the entrepreneurs, but the the leaders that are out there, nonprofit, for profit, that are very ambitious, you know, high achievers that have a lot of commitments on their plate. And they're looking for that permission to reevaluate and to pivot. Sarah just gave it to you. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know, I, I just did a training on time management, a very short training, you know, and I was preparing the slides and because I'm, I've, I've built this whole, the impact method gets people a ton of time back in their day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so it's like, what is the thing? And I'm like, the, the number one thing you can do with time management isn't really time management. It's task management. It's take stuff off your plate. Right. And if you don't have anybody to delegate to, just put it in the trash. I tell all my clients, here's my gift to you. It's a fireproof trash bin. It's imaginary. So I give it to all your listeners right now. (laughs) And you can take those things that are really not that important and you can put them in that fireproof trash bin. And yes, there'll be a fire, but you can just tell everybody it's okay. It's contained. I'm not worried about it, <laughs> and you can just ignore it as it burns itself out because um, one more time back in your day you just first you choose yeah that I will have time off and you take the time off and then everything else will start to fall into place in the time that remains
1: I totally love that visual on so many levels <laughs> Like, it's okay. Fires contained. Just keep, keep going. <laughs> don't don't worry about it. We got this. Um, <laughs> right. I love it. So for all of the ambitiously bold and brave that are listening right now, <laughs> Sarah said very clearly, it's okay. Let the fire burn.
0: Right. <laughs> the, the per- you do per- not have to clean up the mess before you throw it away.
1: Exactly. Just put it in the trash can. And I get that. That's the delegate or delete philosophy, right? Like, you're either going to delegate... What isn't in your zone of genius, uh, either as a part of a quick win or a major project that you need to show up with because your gifts are what makes the difference, that unique selling point for whatever it is that you're providing. Even if you're not an entrepreneur, you know, as a as a leader, you're often put on task to to lead projects and, and command new ways to create systems and communication systems and all that. Um, So, you either delegate it or delete it. But the biggest thing, because I said it so simply, and so did you, Sarah. I'm going to hold us with a, a quick challenge because one of the pushbacks that I always get from people is yeah, but who do I trust to delegate it to? You know, like what, who's a really good, uh, you know, I guess I'll, I'll pick one for entrepreneurs is usually the virtual assistant. They had the hardest time picking the VA. Like, well, who's, uh, and well, in this day's, the VA, it, it might be, a, you know, a live, Exec, you know, in person executive assistant. If we weren't dealing with pandemic things, but um, because that's not our world right now, <laughs> um, uh, you know, looking at some virtual help, they're really nervous about the screening and hiring process. They don't know where to begin. They don't know where to go. And you know, a couple of years ago, I would have said, "Oh well, for that small graphic, you know, flyer, you know, like a, a quick event flyer, as long as you have your your brand colors and everything together, just let someone on Fiverr or Upwork or." Uh, whatever the other one is called, opportunity.php or something like that. Um, you know, let a contractor do it for less than 50 bucks and it'll save you time and you don't have to stress. You just wanted to make sure it's on brand. And if it's your logo, that's something different, right? But if you already have mm-hmm. the key components, just outsource it. Um, so they didn't really push back on that, but it would be those other things that you're talking about. Like, listen, there are some key tasks that you're, that are repetitive that you have to get done every day or every week that really should not be on your plate if you want to have more time for your family that you can teach and or just delegate to someone who already knows it. But the, the issue is their fear. It's the mindset of can I trust someone with this part of my child, you know, my proverbial, you know, business baby right. or leadership baby. Right.
0: Right. I mean, I think too, like when it comes to business, right, a human baby, you only have them in the womb for roughly, you know, nine months. And mm-hmm. then maybe there's like, maybe tops the first year. It's really those first three, six months where they're totally dependent on you. Mm-hmm. Um, but your business baby gestates for years and years. Mm-hmm. and, and it, is, it is you and you are it and you feel very, Um, tied to it. I never had that kind of sense of wanting to take control that so many entrepreneurs have. So in that way, I'm kind of lucky. But for those people who even feel that way, and even people ask me like, what if I have nobody to delegate to? It is better that you have less on your plate and some of those things are just not being done at all than it is for you to have too much on your plate and everything suffer. So if you really have no one and you really can't use any automation tools and there's nothing else, if you're just you on an island, you take stuff off your plate so right. you have the right amount there.
1: I, I totally agree. It's that um, kind of perception shifting that the world is not going to stop because you didn't post on social media today, (laughs)
0: right? And the truth is if you're brave enough to just do it for a little bit, you'll realize you'll start moving so much faster and more efficiently that all those things that you took off your plate and let hang out doing nothing, you're then able to pick up and, get through and you won't be feeling overwhelmed and so much more will get done before you know it you'll have momentum and things will start going on their own and it'll all fix itself you have to be brave first
1: yeah i a thousand percent agree that was amazing so i have to ask you you know with everything that you're out there doing teaching creating impact deepening impact uh for all these teams that you're helping to align especially in the nonprofit world how do you create that time to give yourself permission to pause? Like where's where where is that special space in heaven in your day for Sarah? <laughs>
0: Well, um, I do this in a few ways, and I have to say, you know, first, I follow my own advice that I just gave you. When people ask me, like, what's the best piece of advice, like, great advice is easy to find, especially if you pay for it. Mm -hmm. The hard part is following the advice. (laughs) So whenever I start to go awry, I follow my own advice. Um, So I have a few ways that I make sure I take time for me one is very structured. I created the impact method. I believe that that time is really important. In the impact method, we give everybody four weeks of respite time every year. It's part of the method. And I say respite is part of the work. And for me, I follow the impact method in my own business. And I literally put that time in the calendar as not meetings, not work, minimum keeping the business going, which for me, I do have an assistant and she's able to keep it going without me just fine um, for a whole week if I need or longer if I need. Um, So that's one piece. I also regularly, whenever I start to feel at all like, oh, maybe it's getting to be a lot. First thing I do is open up my calendar and block out some mornings or full days just to have downtime. So for me, like just reminding myself to put that time in so that I actually take it. And then on a personal level, um, sometimes I meditate. I don't always. I love to have a cup of coffee in the morning and look out my window. In many ways, that counts as meditation. Yeah. Um. But the more I am busy, the more I pull in tools like meditation and exercise. And actually, when I was first really getting back on my feet um, after getting separated. I came up with my super morning routine that could be done with my three-year-old on very little time. I would um, get up. I'd have my coffee. I'd do 10 minutes of meditation, oftentimes with my kids sitting in my lap watching cartoons. That's fine. You can still meditate like that. I'd do the seven-minute workout on my phone, and then I'd take a 10-minute shower, and I would be really set for the day because I had just given myself that dedicated time to attend to my my mind and my body and that took me very very far
1: yeah no i love it we're very much in alignment when it comes to having those power up and power down routines and just making sure that you can create that space on your calendar as if it's your own doctor's appointment like your own
0: that's right right mental health (laughs)
1: and well-being appointment it's really important A thousand percent. So how can people connect with you, Sarah? Like, how do they find out more about the great work that you're doing in the world, including picking up that book?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, you can find me on my company website, pivotground.com. Um, If you'd like to speak with me and you're in the nonprofit world in some way or another, you're welcome to apply for a free consultation call. You'll see the button right up on the website. Um, You can find the titles of the books on the speaking page of the site as well. You can also find me on Facebook or LinkedIn. Just search for Sarah Olivieri.
1: That is phenomenal. You are amazing. Thank you so much for carving out time for us. I honor your time and I really appreciate you showing up really fully today and completely present. I can't tell you how rewarding and refreshing that is on so many levels. So thank you.
0: Well, thank you. It's really been a pleasure. (laughs)
1: <laughs> You're amazing. Oh my goodness. ballots boat listeners. Was that not amazing for season 20? We are wrapping up. We only have a couple of weeks left to this season. And, you know, you guys are getting something extra special because this time of the year, you know, I would be at the, the beginning, at the helm of my six week self-lovecation love that I would normally carve out. And we've been doing for at least the last six years, six and a half, almost seven years now. To do it, but the pandemic has made me shift that as well So this year we're doing it a little bit different We're breaking up the six weeks over the year So pray for me Because I don't know how I'm going to like this I'm I'm trying to convince myself that it'll be worth it But there's just so much Good work that I want to do out in the world and still give myself that literal permission to pause along the way. So pray for me, people. You'll have a couple more weeks of the podcast um, delivered to you before my first two weeks segment of this self-lovecation comes up Um, in the interim. If you like what you hear, make sure that you continue to follow us, subscribe, rate and share. Help us ensure that the other ambitiously bold and brave have access to these valuable life, love, and business balance tools. You can connect with me at Ask Nikita everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, you know it, I'm already there. And if you haven't, for some reason, if you are behind the scenes or maybe you're just new to Balance Boldly and you haven't picked up my survivor memoir and personal transformation story called Selfish permission to pause, live, love, and laugh your way to joy, make sure you do. I am really excited about all the great work that has been created because of me being honest and raw and just telling my story. So I thank you in advance for that. And if you have picked it up, and you've read it, make sure you put your review out there on Goodreads or Amazon because that allows us to kind of stay high up on the list when people come in and they find, uh, you know, really good survival memoirs and personal transformation stories to buy, gift, or share themselves. In the interim, I want you to go create your balance, create your joy, but remember, do it boldly. Thank you for listening.